thing I did tell them that I'll share with you guys is, is six wins doesn't guarantee you a bowl game. I'll tell you that much. Six wins gets you bowl eligible. Doesn't get you in a bowl game. So. Welcome to the Scotsman Podcast, powered by KSL Sports on this Thanksgiving Eve. Coming to you live again from my house. I'm not going to call it that stupid nickname that I called it last time because probably my worst moment on this podcast. I mean, I've had some some bad moments, to be sure. Some bad predictions, some bad takes. But uh, that nickname that I gave this place last time, uh, that was that was the all-time low. Uh, coming to you a few days after the Aggies lost yet another game in... What's what's the word? I mean, I, I don't want to say embarrassing. It's not. Maybe it is embarrassing, but it was. Uh, it was probably the hardest loss to watch. LSU was tough, but it was LSU, and you could understand. Air Force was really rough. BYU was really rough, but there's just something about Boise State coming into Maverick Stadium and throwing up 56 points, 42 in the first half. That. Um, is a really hard pill for Aggie, Aggie fans to swallow. A couple of things that stood out to me was, number one, the defense, and more specifically of the defense, the tackling. It just was not there. Boise State was able to do whatever they wanted. They marched up and down the field. They had 484 yards of total offense, but more importantly, they had 297 yards rushing. On 46 rush attempts, they were averaging six yards per carry. They got whatever they wanted from that Utah State defense, and I know they're banged up, but there's... Still enough that uh, there's there's banged up, and then there's 6.4 yards per carry, or 6.5 yards per carry. That's just not good football. They were able to convert 10 of 16 third downs, so the defense wasn't able to get them off the field. And then their time of possession, again, probably outside of third down conversions, I say their biggest Achilles heel has been time of possession. They're just not scoring enough points to run the up pace offense. They lose it again, 33 minutes to 26 minutes with some seconds on either side to spare. You were feeling a little bit better coming into this game as an Aggie fan based on what you'd seen against Fresno State two weeks before and Wyoming. You thought maybe that game-winning field goal and the defense's performance against that Wyoming team were a sign that things were about to turn, and especially the offense's performance against Fresno State where Jordan Love and the offense in general looked like the offense we thought we were going to see for the majority of the season. However, that was not the case against a top 25 team in Boise State. They exposed a lot of, I'm not going to say exposed, they just reminded us about a lot of the flaws this Aggie team has that maybe we conveniently thought about uh, because of the two wins. They're still at six wins. They're still bowl eligible. Not all is lost. Uh, They were officially eliminated from the Mountain West conference championship they will finish up the season saturday at new mexico a a game that should be very winnable considering they just fired their head coach and uh, they are arguably the worst team in the mountain west right now it should get the aggies to seven wins it should secure a bowl game for them even though they are bowl eligible as gary anderson brought up in the post-game press conference doesn't necessarily guarantee you a bowl game Uh, i think if if that scenario were to happen, uh, it would be Nevada that would get left out. I think teams, I think Bulls would prefer Utah State. I think their fans travel a little bit well. And 
I think the idea of having Jordan Love, an NFL quarterback, at your bowl game, despite the way that the offense and and his play in general have been this season, is still an appealing um, an appealing factor for most for most bowl games that they would want to have. My guess, um, if you read the uh, bowl predictions on KSLSports.com put together by our entire sports department, you'll see that I had them going to the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl facing Georgia Southern. I still think that's uh, the best bet. Uh, possibly possibly the Potato Bowl. I, I don't think the Potato Bowl will take them. I think they'll take Wyoming. That's my guess. Still, uh, as far as geography goes, it's still a pretty close, um, pretty close location. And um, I think Wyoming's a slightly better team, even though Utah State beat them. I think uh, that's, um, as far as the pecking order goes, I think they would take Wyoming over Utah State at this juncture. So... With Thanksgiving tomorrow, there's going to be a handful of articles coming out on KSLSports.com that talk about what each fan base should be thankful for. Um, This podcast, I am going to um, basically give you the summation and probably read you some word-for-word from that article and just talk about a little bit of, of what I think Aggie fans in general, whether it be football, basketball, whatever, should be thankful for. This, uh, this sports season, this year, 2019. So without further ado, without further ado, here are a few things that Utah State fans should be thankful for. The 2018 football season. Sure, this sounds strange, but here's my reason. Winning is hard in college football, and winning like the Aggies did in 2018 is extremely rare. The 2019 football season has shown Aggie fans just how fast things can change and why it's important to appreciate the accomplishments like the 2018 season. The team set 34 school records, including, to just name a few, four 60-point games, seven 50-point games, nine 40-point games, seven wins by 30-plus points, and 700-plus yards of total offense twice in the season. Would you like to know how many times the Aggies have scored 60, 50, and or 40 points in 2019, once. One time against Liberty. No Mountain West opponents, no no, no FBS opponents, Liberty. Number of times they have surpassed 700 yards of offense in a game, once again against Liberty. How many times have they beat a team by 30-plus points? Once against Liberty. Now, on the flip side, the number of times the 2019 team has been beaten by 30-plus points? Twice. LSU and Boise State, almost three times. It was 28 points to BYU, so it was almost three, so it was almost three times. I mean, mean, two points, it's close enough, whatever. Now, so am I trying to bash this year's team? No, I'm I'm not doing that. I know it sounds like I am, but that's not the point of this article. What I'm trying to do is provide perspective on how quickly things can change and just how special last team's year was. So even with a quarterback that engineered that earth-shattering offense coming back, the team hasn't been able to replicate any of that success. As someone who attended Utah State from 2003 to 2007, when Utah State was a combined 10 and 36, that's 10 wins, 10 wins over four years and 36 losses, never winning more than three games in a season. I saw 
one win live as a student, I think. I'm trying to remember. A lot of those a lot of those wins came on the road too. There wasn't a lot of winning going on um, on uh, Merlin Olson's field back in the early aughts. So I feel a need to point out context when I see it, understanding how much fun and how special winning is from year to from year to year. It's something being on Twitter and seeing fans' reactions to games, I feel like fans need that context sometimes. And they need to be thankful for a season like last season because it's extremely hard to win in college football. Matt Wells used to say that all the time. It's hard to win college football. It's hard to win in college football from week to week, no matter what. Um, and I think there has been a um, sense of entitlement for lack of a better word. Um, I think it's a little too mean-spirited to use, but with some Utah State fans that uh, this team should be like that team last year. And there's nothing wrong with wanting excellence from your team, but you just have to understand how hard it is to recruit to Logan. And the job that that Gary did his first go-round and that Matt was able to sustain for the most part, um, with a couple of exceptions during seasons, has been pretty spectacular um a bunch of the talent they've been able to do and what they've been able uh, competing with two schools like utah and byu for recruits uh is not easy in this state um college football is a beloved sport um outside of the jazz it's the most popular sport here in this state and so uh trying to get players to come to a program that does not exactly have the storied history that uh, Utah and BYU does is not an easy task. So I don't think all is lost with the program. That is not that is not what I'm trying to say. All I am trying to point out is be thankful when you have winning seasons. All right, the next thing that Utah State fans should be thankful for, Eric Munoz. So to try to put a positive spin on the football team, since I'm sure that all of you are um, hating me and cursing me right now as you listen through your earbuds, that's okay. Probably the best moment from this entire season was Munoz's post-game press conference, and his game in general. With David Woodward out for the season, Munoz got his first career start against Wyoming. He led the team in tackles with 13, and he had two interceptions one of which he returned to the one-yard line, and the other one clinched the game for the Aggies with Wyoming driving in the final minutes with a chance to win the game. His post-game press conference, he outlined his difficult journey, uh, how he's gotten to this point. It was a culmination of patience, hard work, and previous disappointments. Um, Honestly, I was kind of getting choked up earlier. It's been a long time coming, to be honest with you. This third school I've been to, um, Redshirt Jr. having to sit behind some guys. It's tough. Kevin Metzenheimer, it's my best friend, so uh, he's always believed in me since I got here. He was always cheering for me and telling me to keep my head up. So lining up next to him was probably some of the most fun I've had playing football um, yet. So that felt really good to just have him there next to me, believing in me, and really all 10 guys on defense. Um, were rooting for me and cheering for me, and they were excited to see me out there. So I couldn't let those 10 down, especially not Kevin. So, 
it was hard not to get a little teary-eyed, a little, uh, the, the, the old allergies acting up when you were watching it. He was given a scholarship about 10 days later, going from a walk-on to full-ride scholarship. Uh, just, just a classic tug-at-the-heartstrings kind of story. Uh, I am, I am for one personally, working in this business as much as I have, and sometimes all the negativity that goes along with sports, to see a success in a season that's, um, for the most part, been a disappointment to most of the Utah State fan base, was very much a light at the end of the tunnel, a silver lining, if you will, and uh, Aggie fans should be very thankful for that. Moving on from football, the third and final thing that Utah State fans should be thankful for so far this year, the Jamaica Classic. Now, why didn't I just say the Utah State basketball team in general or their superstar in Nimi Ishkeda or Sam Merrill or the fact that they have such an excellent coach in Craig Smith? Well, Utah State entered the season with lofty expectations, ranked 17th in the AP preseason poll, first time since 1970, picked to win the Mountain West Conference, Nimi Ishkeda returning after a brief flirtation with the NBA draft, and All-American and preseason conference player of the year, Sam Merrill, coming back as well. It left outsiders and some Aggie fans to wonder if the team could live up to the hype after the Cinderella season a year ago. If you remember last time on this podcast, I said maybe don't um, don't hype up this team as much as much as you can, or or maybe that uh, this team is getting a lot of hype and uh, you should uh, uh, quash your expectations just a little bit because. Um, uh, you're setting yourself up for some disappointment the first time they lose a game or 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 whatnot. But you know, I'm 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 leading the hype train. I'm the engineer of the hype hype train, so I'm being a little hypocritical in saying this. So a close contest with Montana State to open the season didn't uh, didn't help quash the haters. Uh, I was at that game. I shot that game. It had me a little bit worried, uh, even though it was the first game of the season. And um, it turns out that that. That was basically the reason that that game was close. I mean, the Aggies ripped off four straight with wins with an average margin of victory of 38 points, including a 55-point win the very next game over Weber State, another game I was at, which was one of the best defensive performances I've seen since the uh, golden age of Stu Merrill, where they uh, consistently and more often than not would hold teams for double-digit minute stretches without field goals. Utah State did that to Weber State, and it was a very impressive thing to watch in in person. But still, were the Aggies really a top-20 team? We got our answer in Jamaica. In their first game, they faced an LSU team that won 22 games in the previous season, ranked number 22 in the nation to start the year, and returned four of their six players that tested the NBA draft waters, and the Yaggies themselves without their own NBA prospect, Keita, still sidelined with a knee. The Tigers looked like the team described... In my aforementioned thoughts, the Aggies trailed by as many as 19 in the second half, but they used a 22-8 to run to cut the lead to 5. LSU responded by extending the lead to 12. Personally, and I hate, I hate admitting this, I thought the game was over when LSU went on that run to get it back to double digits. Usually when you make a run like that, a 22-8 to run, that's your run. And if you don't keep it close after that, sometimes you can't. You can't overcome it. More often than not, it's an exception, and the Aggies were the exception. They made another run. They outscored LSU 14-2. to Alfonso Anderson, Justin Bean, and especially Sam Merrill were key in that comeback. Merrill hit a go-ahead three in the final minute. It turned out to be the game winner, and Utah State had their first defining win of the season. So why should we be grateful for this? Because this game answered a handful of questions about the team. 
They have stellar leadership from both their coaching staff and players, such as Merrill. Their bench is deep and able to score. Alfonso Anderson scored a game-high 24 along with Merrill, and Diogo Brito added 12, and they can get defensive stops against a quality opponent. Here's the thing. They didn't have Keita, so Anderson, Brito are going to be the bench, and they're two of the key contributors. That is huge. It's not just coming from the starters. They have quality scoring coming from the bench. So does this mean that they're guaranteed to win the Mountain West and head to the Sweet 16? Probably not. But the more I've thought about it, maybe it does. <laughs> However, San Diego State and uh, Boise State in Mexico, I thought they would all be good, but they look even better. They've had some quality wins. But this game went a long way in val- validating our optimism for what this team could accomplish in the 2019-20 season. So there you have it. There are three things to be grateful for on this uh Thanksgiving week. I hope you all have a fantastic Thanksgiving, no matter where you choose to uh, to spend it. I hope all your travels are safe. I hope you eat all the pumpkin pie that your body allows you to, because pumpkin pie is the greatest, and um, and it is without a doubt my favorite part of the entire Thanksgiving experience. Don't forget to download this podcast on kslsports.com, and for any local content whether you're a jazz fan byu fan utah fan real salt lake fan whatever it is that stokes your sports fire you will find content quality content about your teams on kslsports.com thank you again for downloading the podcast where the sagebrush grows